This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, Michael, not necessarily the debut that you and I saw for the Jets as they fall to the Carolina Panthers 14 to 19, but it was really ugly in the first half. And the way the team made adjustments and turned around the second half gave me some, some encouraging signs. I feel like I'm not as bummed about the loss as maybe I should be. Um, You were at the game. There was a ton of Jets fans there. It seems like a great atmosphere. Um, What were some of your initial takeaways from, from week one? We have a lot to get to, but just your initial thoughts from being there in person. Well, first of all, I think the biggest thing to remember as we both discuss this game is that you have to really go back and analyze it some more, rewatch it on film, look at the advanced stats and everything to get a better grasp of what really happened because one watch on TV and especially one watch in person in the stands is really hard to glean what happened. So everything we're talking about is kind of, you know, knee-jerk reaction, what we immediately thought, what we're thinking right now after digesting it a little bit, and we can look at it in a more nuanced way throughout the week. But, um, but I agree with you. I think that this was a game that in the first quarter was competitive. Both teams struggled offensively. Defenses were exchanging quick drives. And then second quarter, the thing, things kind of got out of hand, uh, kind of starting with the interception by Wilson. And it, it just got really ugly. The defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. The offense, you had no confidence in them moving the ball. Um, But then second half, the defense really locked in, had, you know, frankly, a dominant second half, gave up pretty much nothing, only three points. And the offense in the latter half of the third quarter, fourth quarter, got it going. And eventually you lose the game by five points. So this was a game where it felt like for a while the Jets were getting dominated. And in games like this throughout the past few years, when the Jets have had a you know poor coaching staff, poor culture, and they've been really bad in most of the games where they've come out and played like this, they've uh, just let the dominoes continue to fall, let everything snowball, um, and just gone on and gotten blown out and not been able to you know uh, make adjustments and get back into the game and make it competitive. And in this game, they did that. They erased a sixteen nothing halftime deficit and almost got themselves within three points with less than two minutes left. So um, I think it's impressive and it, it should not, I think it's more than just a moral victory right. to uh, for them to have done what they did to play as poorly as they did to start out and then come back in the game and make it competitive. I think it's, it's definitely is a lot more than just, Oh, like, okay, it wasn't that bad. Like it is a legitimate thing to be, uh, to feel good about going forward. The fact that they did that, because it's something that, Bad teams don't do. Bad teams get destroyed. They come out, they don't play well, 
and they don't adjust. We've seen that plenty from this franchise in recent years. And good teams, even if they don't win, they make adjustments and they make games competitive. And over the course of a season, if you do that consistently, you'll split those games. You'll get a few. Sometimes they'll come up in the short end like they did in this game, but sometimes they'll come out on top just from the ability to be able to adjust and get back into games. Even when you don't have your best football, when you're overmatched, guys are going down with injuries. So I think that is the most important thing. This was a tough loss to swallow because of, um, you know, the narrative surrounding it with Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson and all of that. That makes it tougher to swallow from that perspective because it's not like you just lost to the Chargers or the Titans or some random team you have no attachment to. Um, so that aspect of it makes it a little bit more difficult, especially being there in person for me and any other Jets fans that were there. Um, but the fact that the Jets are able to make this competitive game uh, in the second half was is very promising to take uh, into week two. There's a lot you just mentioned that I definitely want to touch on real quick. We have to give a quick shout out to our sponsor DraftKings because week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer, but just bet just $1 on any football game this week and receive $200 in free bets instantly no matter what. Um, use code COOLYOURJETS to receive $200 in free bets when you place $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code COOLYOURJETS to get your $200 uh, in free bets instantly. I have a lot to take away from this game. And I, I think the first thing I want to say, and look, like I know this is the optimism podcast and sometimes you and I can be a little overzealous in our fandom and, and whatnot, but the takes I was seeing on my Twitter timeline at halftime were ridiculous. It made me want to do what you did last year's uh, after last year's opener, Michael, and just retire from Twitter for about a month. I mean, it, people were ready to fire JD. I mean, it was like, it has been a half a game for a team that last year was historically one of the worst teams of all time. I mean, if not the worst offense, this is a team that probably shouldn't have won. They won two fluky games in December. The youngest roster in the NFL, they're starting eight rookies, a first-time head coach, a first-time offensive coordinator, a first-time defensive coordinator, a first-time quarterback. It's like the sky is not falling. I mean, we we knew this team wasn't a Super Bowl team. We knew this team wasn't a playoff team. Hell, I don't – I don't even want to say they're a good team. I think you and I both said literally on the last podcast, this is a six to eight win team. If all things go well, I think they can maybe, I think they can get eight wins. Uh, I think Vegas has them six and a half. I think six wins is fair. I've been on the optimistic side saying seven, but six to eight wins is what this team is supposed to do. And the performance that they had, especially, you know, including the second half is those are the types of losses that this team is going to have. I mean, that's just, they're going to have rookie mistakes dumb, you know, missed assignments. I mean, like you said, they had a lot of nobody's playing, you know, Sheldrick Redwine is, was pretty brutal. And he's the one that, that we can all blame for that Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson revenge touchdown, but it, it, just all the whining and the, you, I, I get why the, the fan base is impatient. Like I obviously empathize with it because I feel it too. It's like, this team has been so bad for so long. We're always rebuilding. We're always hitting the reset button, but it's like for the first time in a while, I'm very confident in the people that jets have in the building. And it's like, even if you're not, the only chance they have is just you have to be somewhat patient. I mean, at least more patient than a half a game. It's like, give them a season, you know, hopefully two or three seasons, but like give them a season, not a half a game before you start ready, you know, to, to run them out of town and call JD awful. Like, look, there are plenty of things to criticize in this game and we're going to get to that. I mean, this looked like a bad team who played a bad game, had a bad game plan. 
made a lot of really stupid mistakes. I mean, there's a lot of criticism to go around, but there's also, like you said, there was a lot of positive things to take away. And the only thing that matters this entire season, maybe not the only thing, but for all intents and purposes, the only thing that matters is Zach Wilson. And I thought he had a very impressive performance. And, you know, I think, are you grading on a curve a little bit because he's a rookie on the road week one and he, you know, couldn't set his feet in the pocket the entire game. Yes. But I still think he had some super impressive throws there and the resilience and the guts that he showed. I mean, the, the hit that he took on that last drive scared me because, you know, you and I, Mike, are both going to the home opener next week. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, I'm going to watch Mike White in person, aren't I? Um, but the fact that he came back from that and threw a touchdown and a rope to Corey Davis, it's just, I thought Zach had a very impressive outing. And I think that's a good place to start. We'll, we'll get to Darnold. We'll get to the, the bad and some of the other good things. But Zach Wilson's the main story here, Michael. You saw it in person. What did you think about Zach Wilson and his resiliency to, ba- to bounce back from a, I don't want to say tough start because he actually had some nice throws that got dropped, but uh, an uneven first half. Yeah, I really liked Wilson's performance in this game. Um, I, I think it was a hot and cold type of performance. So for a rookie quarterback in his career debut, for him to have the high points that he did despite the hardships around him, the separation from the receivers in this game was not great. Um, the protection obviously was not good. Um, so for him to be going through everything he's going through against a defense that is not necessarily good, I mean, we'll see what they do this year, but it's a, even though they're not a dominant defense talent-wise, the way that they play, they do a lot of rotation pre and post snap. We saw it throughout the game. Um, it's a tough defense for a rookie quarterback to play against. And I put up the numbers. They were very successful against year one and two quarterbacks last season, even though they were bad overall. Uh, they were good against young quarterbacks. And so we saw that difficulty today. So a lot of hardships for him to go through. Um, so the mistakes are expected, but the fact that he was able to lead them back into the game in the second half um, and, and throughout the game from the first quarter through the end, make a lot of really nice high point plays, most of them under pressure, was very impressive. And I think the low points were there. The rookie mistakes to learn from, there are plenty of them on the film in this game, especially in the second quarter. The interception was I think you and I both looked at it back and it's not as bad as I thought it was initially from a decision-making standpoint. I think it's um, because I thought he didn't see that linebacker, but I think looking back at it, he did. And he just thought he could make the throw lofting it over him. But it goes back to what we talked about or what he talked about um, in training camp. You got to try these throws to know what you can and can't do. So it's a throw that now that he's tried and been punished for, he can learn from and not make later. Um, obviously you hope that it doesn't continue because we've said these things, we said these things with Sam Darnold when he was here and obviously he never figured it out. So at some point you got to actually show that improvement, but rookie mistake you can learn from. Um, He had a drop interception on the next throw after that. There were some sacks he took where he made great escapes, but just tried to do a little bit too much and had opportunities to throw the ball away and didn't. Um, there were a couple bad misses in terms of accuracy, just a couple overall, his accuracy was really good, I think, but he did with a couple of times on some quick throws. Um, yeah, but the overall, two point conversion at the end. Yeah. And that was one, there was one to Barrios that was really bad yeah. um, short throw to the left, but for the most part, his accuracy was good. I think that's what's impressive in this games because he took a lot of pressure. The windows were tight for most of the game, but he made some really, he connected on some low percentage throws. Like um, when he hit Mims down the sideline at the end of the game while getting 
absolutely smacked in the chest. The touchdown to Davis, the second one at the end of the game, tight window. The throw to Elijah Moore in the first quarter that Moore dropped was that was the best throw of the game by either quarterback, and that was an elite throw. Just for him to step up from immediate edge pressure, edge pressure and just flick that ball and land it over the shoulder into Moore's chest was that was a beautiful throw. Um, so overall, I I thought it was a good performance. Even when even when you're not grading on a rookie curve, I think if a veteran quarterback, you know, who, t- take your pick, whoever it is, played that way in that situation, made the throws that they made, I think you say like you played okay, you played average. Uh, and so then you throw in the rookie curve being the first game and all the, not excuses, they're legitimate circumstances, but you throw in the rookie curve, then it's definitely an impressive debut. So um, his resilience was great in this game. Uh, I really like the accuracy and the high point plays he was able to make despite the consistency of how often he was able to make those plays uh, in a tough situation. Yeah, I, I think when you look at this team, we kind of talked about it, that you just want them to establish a culture. You want them to develop throughout the entire season. And you kind of talked about it right at the start where it was like, if this was last year, I mean, it felt almost identical to last year's opener in the sense of like, okay, wow, this team is really bad. They can't move the ball. They can't stop a nosebleed. Um, this is just depressing. And then obviously the second half, they turned it around. And I think that's kind of, you know, we haven't seen a, a team, a Jets team make those in-game adjustments and keep fighting uh, and make it competitive. I mean, that was not an embarrassing loss, a 14, 19 loss Wilson thrown for over 250 yards and two touchdowns. It's like, you'll, t- if this was week 12, like you said, against some random team, like the Saint, I don't know who would play week 12, like the saints or you something around there. This is week 12 against the saints. And it'd be like, all right, not like the best game, kind of a bummer, but like the, it's not, the sky isn't falling. And, and Zach Wilson in particular, I mean, if, if you're not excited about Zach Wilson, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, I it's, blatantly obvious how talented this kid is now look the jets have to do a better job of surrounding him with talent i mean because not only are they going to get him killed i mean look at joe burrow last year they're gonna i mean he's gonna miss games if the o-line keeps playing like this um but you're also worried about him developing scars i mean one of the things that really plagued sam darnold i think the panthers actually did do a good job of of kind of trying to mend those scars a little bit was uh you know, in the preseason, Zach Wilson looked really calm in the pocket. He had all day. And last year at BYU, I mean, he just had such a sick offensive line. He could dance around the pocket all he wanted to. Um, but you saw in the preseason that he had those traits of stepping up into the muddy pocket whatnot. In this game, I mean, he really never got comfortable. He he was able to adjust to the, the way the pocket felt toward, in the fourth quarter. But the first three quarters, for the most part, um, he just looked uncomfortable. I mean, he just couldn't set his feet. He had a guy in his face within one and a half seconds. And so then he'd have to dance around. I mean, boys, he's scrappy in the pocket, though. I will give him that. I mean, he's slippery. I mean, a lot of it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, of Russell Wilson as rookie year. I remember the first times I was watching Russell Wilson, I was like, I mean, he's small, but damn, people could just can't bring him down. And obviously, you know, Zach got sacked six times and had a fumble, and you know, obviously, he did get taken down. But some of the things he was able to do in the pocket to avoid hits, and then also it comes back to the whole arm angles thing. I mean, that Mims play in particular, I think that, I mean, the Moore throw is probably more impressive, but the Mims play, even though it was a, a busted coverage and Mims is relatively open, the angle of him stepping up into the pocket and then having to shoot it between the safety and the corner. I mean, it, I think he basically threw it sidearm as well. That was a crazy throw. I mean, that's a throw that a lot of quarterbacks can't make. And so that's why you can see the whole Rogers and the Mahomes stuff. And that's like setting the expectations way too high, which I think is maybe part of the reason a lot of people have a meltdowns at half times. It's like, my long-term expectations for this team are very high. Right now, it's like I'm just enjoying watching the young team develop and hopefully watching Zach Wilson play well. 
Yeah, uh, which and, I thought, and, I thought and he I mean, did. hey, if Zach Wilson can average 250 yards, two touchdowns, and one pick on seven yards per attempt this year, that's pretty pretty damn good for a rookie. Exactly. Like, and look, you don't want to be six sacks though. That has to change. Six sacks has to change, and some of those are on him. Some of those are pre-snap decisions. Yes. Uh, you know, he has to, to recognize who's coming, but also at the same time. Um, there are a lot of stunts and stuff. There are a lot of uh, sacks that weren't his fault. I mean, like McGovern and uh, GVR and Vera Tucker. I mean, the, the interior of the offensive line, honestly, the entire offensive line had a really brutal game. Uh, I thought things actually got better when Becton came out. I just think because not anything to really do with Becton. I think it was just the offense started to to establish some sort of identity um, and move the ball. And, and they got the LaFleur did a little better of a job. And we're going to talk about that later. But just to, to close the point on Zach Wilson's performance, I was definitely impressed, um, especially when you consider all the, the circumstances uh, around it. And I think he just wanted to keep building on it. I mean, like you said, this is just such a tough matchup because th- it's such an unorthodox defense. They did a lot of exotic things. They do have one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, my eyes and Brian Burns. And they're just a tough match. I mean, because they're so fast, because they play those DB looks and because they're linebackers, I mean, Shaq Thompson and, uh, is just such a freak. Their, their entire defense is so fast that it's kind of hard to establish your outside zone running game, uh, especially when you can't hold a block. But, you know, a running game that's predicated on getting to the, to the uh, getting outside and cutting it upfield, the Panthers were flying around the ball all day that they really couldn't do that. So I feel like LaFleur changed his identity a little bit too much to try to attack the Panthers' weaknesses, but I thought he could have even done a better job of that. I think in the fourth quarter, you saw it a little bit more that they um, were getting the ball out of his hands quicker. Uh, and they were, you know, giving him a little bit more play actions, pre-snap motions, rolling him out, trying to get him comfortable. Um, and look, you don't, you don't want Wilson to be getting all stats in the fourth quarter in, in a game you're getting blown out in. But I think overall, I, I was impressed with this Wilson performance, which is, which is a good thing. Because honestly, wins and losses don't matter nearly as much as, as Zach Wilson's stat line, if we're being completely honest. Yeah, um, and there's one point about Wilson that you made, uh, a really good point that I'd like to expand on. I think what you said about, um, him getting into a rhythm is what is the most important aspect of the quality of your pass protection. Because I think in the preseason, we did see some plays where he did deliver really well under pressure. It was uncommon, but in the few plays that happened, he delivered well because I think it was the type of pressure where, you know, it's just one edge rusher coming around, you step up, make a throw into the pressure. But in this game, I think we saw a lot of shades of the problems that we saw around Sam Darnold, where it's just a complete and utter mess, unblocked guys off the edge, blitz is not getting picked up through the A gaps, pressure coming from every which way. And that really throws off your rhythm. And that's what leads to bad habits being developed. I think over time, I think there's a difference between, okay, there are a couple guys center our line who can't block. And then you start to sort of develop a feel for where the issues are, how to adjust to it. I think there's a difference between that and just being a complete mess to where you just can't get a rhythm and a feel for the strengths and weaknesses of your offense and how to react to the pressure and beat it. And I think we saw that in this game and we saw the good and bad of it. We saw the good to where Wilson is talented enough to account for that and still make plays under various different varieties of pressure with the arm angles, whether he's got to step up and sling it around a guy while he gets hit whether he has to sidestep or juke to get outside the pocket. We saw him do a lot of great things to beat the pressure, but we also saw him take sacks because he's trying to dodge too many guys, extend the play for too long. Right. We saw him. He did miss some throws under pressure in this game. Um, and uh, the, not the interception he threw, but the next pass after, after that, which should have been an interception, but was dropped 
Um, another play where he gets flushed out of the pocket, tries to throw he shouldn't try, um, and almost throws a pick. So we saw the good and bad of it, but I think that's a great point you make is that the rhythm is what's really important. Obviously, you want to protect well, um, but if you're going to struggle, I think not, – not that you want to struggle, try to struggle in a certain way, but I think it's just important to um, – because you know it's going to take time to get this offensive line up to the level you want it to. You got a rookie in Vera Tucker. You still got – you still need a right guard. You still need to improve right tackle, and that's going to take time. But just the pickups um, and the way you schematically protect him, um, I think – it's important to make sure that the the pressure that he's taking is more predictable. If you know what I mean, just right. If you're going to struggle protecting, just it's because someone can't block, but the constant struggles to pick up blitzes, to pick up stunts, leaving guys unblocked off the edge. Uh, then I think that's when you really get in the quarterback's head. Uh, so I think it's like you said, important to try to help him get into a rhythm going forward and not have too many of these games where, uh, there are just issues all over the place. Uh, yeah, I think the the most impressive thing, and obviously, like the accuracy was pretty great all day. He always tends to miss a few throws every game, but I mean, he had a few absolute lasers. Uh, just the velocity he's able to put on on, it, on his throws are is crazy. I think that the most impressive trait to me though is his poise, because even though everything was falling around him, he never really looked like he was panicking, um, which is a, a great sign. And I tweeted this out, and I think some people misconstrued it. Some uh, kind of got what I was saying, which was. Sam Darnold was in a very similar situation many times, but the, the one that sticks out is that Monday night football scene ghost game where it's just like, Oh my God, they can't block. They can't, nobody can get open. I mean, they're just throwing so many exotic looks at me. I'm getting smashed into the turf. You know, it was a little different, I guess, cause it was on primetime football against the Patriots, but this is still opening day against the guy that, you know, you replaced. So there was still, and his first NFL start. So there was still, I would say a similar level of pressure, and the fact that he just, yeah, he didn't lose his cool. That's what I would say was really impressive to me that he just, he, he, he had a few bad plays. Like you said, like he had the interception, the, the sack fumble, the, the throw that could have been an interception, but he kept, you know, he, he found a way to develop a rhythm in that chaos. And he made some really nice throws, like some really highlight worthy throws. And look, if more catches that one, um, that one deep bomb, I mean, his stat line in that game probably feels a lot different. So I'm excited to watch him next week. It's going to be, you know, as hard as this game was week one, next week's not getting much easier with Bill Belichick coming to town. Um, and then after that, you got Vic Fangio, who's one of the best defensive coaches in the league. So the first three weeks, we said this on last podcast, is going to be, you know, a huge test for Zach Wilson. But it's it was encouraging, I guess, to, to say to see him conquer some of the, the stuff that was uh, plaguing him early on. Uh, let's talk a little about Sam Darnold. I know he's not the Jets quarterback, but I think there was maybe a narrative that this is the revenge game that he dominated the Jets because he ran one in and threw it to Robbie Anderson. I want to ask you this first, and then I want to get your thoughts on this game. Where would this Zach Wilson game rank in terms of Darnold's 2018 rookie season? Like if this was a Darnold game, everything exactly the same, bad start, good finish. And this is 2018. Where, where would you rank it? Cause obviously it's below green Bay. It's probably below Houston, um, Indianapolis and Denver, but we say it was, would be fifth. Like, where would you put this in terms of Darnold's rookie, uh, rookie games? That's a really awesome question. I think, like you said, there are a few performances. I think you call elite or there are two elite performances, three, actually. I think he had as a rookie as a rookie that year. I think green Bay, the Colts and Houston were elite performances. I think he had three, really good performances probably the Detroit Detroit is a solid 
the his uh, his debut. Um, but I think Denver at Buffalo were really good. The, the Detroit game gets skewed because the Jets put up forty eight and dominated the Lions, but that was a ground game. They ran for two hundred yards and had five. You know, yeah, I, I mean, he had he had a small role in that game. He only, he only threw twenty one passes, but Zach Wilson threw thirty seven. Um, so I I guess honestly, I would kind of put it on par with that one, just in terms of they were much different games, very different games. The Jets supported right. Darnold great, and that that Lions game ended up being one of the best supporting performances he ever got, maybe the best, <laughs> probably um, the best, which is wild in his first game. But uh, in terms of the overall quality and again i think they approached it in much different ways darnold was a little more quiet other than the first play of that game um <laughs> but i just think the overall quality was similar i think darnold was solid in that game i think wilson was solid average to solid in this game so right. maybe it would be so i think these games and darnold's rookie are definitely better green bay in uh colts houston denver and at buffalo so yeah. I, I guess it would be like his sixth best. So middle of the pack right. in that rookie season. And, and the big thing is, and Darnold wasn't able to accomplish this, and I'm sure Zach will probably have one or two of these in there, but we just talked about avoiding those absolute meltdown performances. You know, Sam had plenty right. of them where it's just like, and this was a good sign because this started out as a meltdown performance, even though he had some nice throws that were dropped and whatnot. His stat line, I think he was uh, under, you know, 40% completion percentage at one point, And he was like two for 11 and with an intercept. I mean, like he had a tough start to this game, even though while watching it, I actually wasn't that concerned about his performance, but the fact that he rallied back and, and got it to this point, it's like, these are the types of in the future. Let's put it this way. These are the bad performances for amazing quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying Zach Wilson right. is an amazing quarterback, but when like Pat Mahomes is a bad game, this is what it looks like. And so for Zach Wilson, right. he's going to have games that are worse than this probably but you just you want to continue to see that poise and the lack of a complete meltdown yeah. where it just looks like everything's spinning and moving so fast for this kid. It's like, okay, he's going to have a game where he throws three interceptions and you know he gets sacked six times like this. But like, at least see some positive plays and you know have some good drives, establish a rhythm, maybe have one highlight <laughs> touchdown, whatever it is. But just don't look like he belonged is what I should what I should say. He looked like he belonged. He looked in my eyes. Uh, well, I don't want to say, I was going to say he looked like the better of the two quarterbacks, but Darnold obviously had the the better um, stat line. I guess it's a good segue to talk about Darnold. I, I know you're a huge Darnold hater, so try to be unbiased because you have to do <laughs> I'm good. I'm not a hater. I'm you're just, a massive I'm, hater, I'm an, Michael. I'm, I'm an objective. You're not, you're not objective when it comes to Sam Darnold. You hate him and it's fine, but uh, look, you got to give him credit. I think his footwork looked better. Absolutely. I think he, he looked uh, more calm in the pocket. I would say um, he was smarter with his checkdowns, you know, and he was about what we've seen from Darnold, but I'll put it this way. He was a good quarterback and a great, it sounded like he was surrounded by great talent and has a, a good scheme around it. We'll see if he can keep it up for 17 games. If he does this for 17 games, he might be the long-term answer. I'm very confident that Sam Darnold's not a top 10 quarterback, but he might be top 15. It, not yet, but I'm just saying he could be a, a Kirk Cousins type of quarterback in this league. Um, I thought he had, you know, look, uh, I know we want the Panthers to lose as many games as possible. Obviously, I wanted the Jets to win this. Sam Darnold's a class act, so I'm never going to like hate on him outwardly. Um, but I thought he had, an, he had a solid game. But certainly inflated by a lot of dump-offs and, and um, some of the other things. You know, a busted throw to Robbie Anderson and whatnot. So, Michael, take the baton from here and, and light Sam Darnold on fire. I mean, I think there are a lot of things in this game that he did you have to give him credit for. Things that if he did more consistently with the Jets – I think he could still be their quarterback. 
I think the fact that he was very willing to check the ball down when it was clearly their best offense in this game is something that he deserves credit for. Obviously it's not, it doesn't, you know, they're not highlights, not hard things to do, but there are so many instances in his Jets career where if he just checked the ball down to somebody instead of trying to force passes down the field, then his production would be better. The Jets would compete in more games and be a more efficient offense. And he has Christian McCaffrey at his disposal. That was the best option for many of the plays in this game. And he took advantage and he dumped it off when it was the right time to do it. There are also a few plays where he threw the Which ball is what we imagine with Le'Veon Bell, by the way. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that if, especially in 2019, I think, could because last season, I think near the end of the year, he was kind of doing this, uh, playing this way, but to, uh, to an extreme extent, that was negative. He was too much of a game manager. Whereas in 2019, he was still on that aggressive side of the spectrum and he should have been dumping it off to Bell, dumping it off to Crowder more, um, but he didn't. So in this game, I think that was good. And there were also some times he threw the ball away um, that were, you know, signs of growth. Uh, the deep touchdown to Robbie was great. He made a, a really good back shoulder throw to, I believe, DJ Moore that uh, set up their first touchdown earlier in the game. Um, or they might stop them, but that was a great throw. But I do think there are – you saw the limitations. He's sort of growing to this quarterback that is the opposite of the prospect you thought you were getting when he came out. His ceiling is kind of dropping, but the floor is kind of raising up, especially in this offense, if they keep playing the way they played in this game. The floor is going up a little bit if he's going to keep play, playing this way, and he can be that top 15 kind of guy, like you said. But the the, the ceiling is dropping because I think just the – game-changing aspect of his actual of his ball placement and the throws he's making isn't really there anymore. He did have some big misses in this game. He missed two wide-open touchdown passes. Um, I think he is the primary reason that this should have been a blowout for the in the Panthers' favor. It really should have been. And I think his some of the throws that he missed is the primary reason that Carolina didn't put up 30 points. They only put up 19. There was a seam route to Ian Thomas in the in the first half that he overthrew. It it was maybe catchable if it were a, an amazing tight end, but it it was a wide open throw that he was a little bit high on, and I believe that was the series where the Jets ended up stopping them on fourth down. That cost him seven points, and then later there was uh, a throw on an out route from the opposite hash in um in the end zone. That was fairly open, a throw that you should probably make over 70, 60% of the time that he was wide on, another touchdown missed. So um, those are things that you don't really see in the box score. Even though the numbers were good, he the situation presented him the opportunity to produce a lot more than he did, and he didn't capitalize on it. So I just think those things are worth mentioning. He did miss a couple um, potential touchdowns that really changed the course of the game. Um, and he also he also had a few more pretty easy misses throughout the game. Um, and just from the perspective of, of his production, the, the checking down is good when it's the right thing. But he did have a lot of production off of just straight up design screens that you know require no skill or decision making. And uh, that really pumped his numbers up. So I think he was OK. Um, but I think that you know, the narratives are going to be, he got revenge and, you know, he went off and killed his former team, but, you know, 
they scored 19 points against a defense filled with rookies and he had the opportunity to score a lot more, but he didn't capitalize on it. So he was all right. But uh, if this is the quarterback he's going to be, then, you know, his ceiling is not nearly as high as I thought it was throughout his first few years with the Jets. And I think everyone thought it was when he came out of USC. There's certainly a few, I shouldn't say certainly, there's a few more positives to talk about this game, mostly on defense and special teams. Um, but let's get into some negatives. Um, I'll start with the game plan, which I think it was really interesting about. Look, it's LaFleur's a first-time play caller. You have to give him a little bit of slack. But I, I just felt like, especially in the first half, it felt like the preseason play calling was a little bit more creative. And like I said, I felt like they got away from themselves. They, they were in shotgun too much. They weren't using enough pre-snap motion. They weren't giving Zach enough easy gimme throws. They weren't running left, for God's sakes. They weren't, you know, the play-action game wasn't really there. I just, they weren't rolling him out enough. There were just some things there. It was just like, look, I'm no genius, but it's like, it seems like LaFleur kind of struggled to get a rhythm as a play caller. Like we talk about Zach getting a rhythm as a, as a QB, but it just didn't feel like a, for a first time play caller, it's understandable. But we taught, we saw it in the preseason where he, you know, showed a defense something and then built upon it later in the game. He wasn't really able to ever establish that sort of rhythm. Um, I, I love the fact that they made adjustments though. So it's like, like everything, defense, offense, special teams, and coaching, there was bad, mostly the beginning. And then the good was the second half, the fact that, okay, that he did come out, he made some adjustments. He was able to get Wilson some easier throws. Um, the run game never really got going, which is a bit concerning. We're going to get to that in a minute. But what was your thought on the Jets' offensive, and I guess defensive game plan as well, um, and the adjustments that they made? Well, offensively, I think you're right. The adjustments are uh, the fact that they – were very stagnant in the first half of this game and turned it around is impressive. And uh, like, I, I have a lot of criticisms of what LaFleur did in this game that I think he can improve, which I'll get into next. But the biggest thing that we criticized Adam Gase for while he was here was not adjusting. And we just saw a game where the Jets got shut out in the first half. I believe they had under 100 yards of offense. And then they come out in the second half and they score 14 points and they, and they almost get back. Well, they do get back into the game. Um, that's something Adam Gase never did, um, you know, that extent of second-half improvement, um, which is a huge part of being a good football team. The Kansas City Chiefs have made a living off of it. They are – they're not a team that – I mean, they do a lot. They're a great team, but consistently we see them, just like they did against Cleveland to open up the season, we see them get into holes to start games a lot, but they consistently get out of it because they learn from what's happening in the game they understand what's not working and they change and they adapt so they, so that they can come back in second halves. So um, the adjustments were great. I, in terms of what they specifically did, I'll be completely honest. I want to watch it back again and kind of process it a little bit more, the specific changes that they made. But um, I feel like they, at least from the first watch, I just feel like they were a little bit more confident with Wilson kind of letting him, um, giving him some more options downfield, letting him read the field a little bit more instead of predetermining stuff. Um, but uh, just the fact that they were able to turn their production around in the second half is uh, really promising. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you, you said there. When we talk about the defense, I guess let's start with the positives. Well, you know what? We're going to get into some negatives. So why don't we get into some negatives as well? 
You were you you stand by the fact that you you liked the Jets' defensive line performance, and by the way, it certainly got better uh, in the the fourth quarter and in the third quarter. I mean, the second half, this defense. It, you know what's interesting about this too, and I, I kind of thought about it a little bit, and maybe it's a coincidence or an Adam Gase thing, or not to keep harping on the Sam Darnold thing, but the Darnold performance was a little to me like you know the Cowboys game where he like came out and had this fast start, and we were hyping up the 92 yard touchdown to Robbie and it's like okay he looks in control and then we kind of just swept under the rug that he only had three points in the second half or whatever very similar to this game where it's like great first half but the second half I got to give the Jets defense credit especially being down draw Davis obviously losing Carl Lawson losing in game Jamie and Sherwood and uh, LaMarcus Joyner two starters starting a bunch of rookies and all day three rookies at corner except I guess Bryce Hall is now a, a second second year I was about to say second year veteran but a second year player I I think this is about as I don't want to say as good of a game as you're going to get out of them because they were bad at containing Christian McCaffrey but I mean hey who isn't um but kind of the give up a lot of yards hold in the red zone um I guess they got one turnover it wasn't really anything they did themselves but what were your thoughts on the Jets defensive performance because it was kind of a scrappy performance from the young group and a lot they can improve on um, but as far as if they can get this type of performance on a weekend week out basis, it's, it's not amazing, but it's not the end of the world, which I think was maybe the fear when you do start that many young guys. Yeah. I, I think in terms of the pass rush, because I, I feel like for my short glimpses uh, of Twitter, while I was sitting in the 90 degree stadium, sweating <laughs> so much, like I, I just couldn't check it too much as it, it was tough in there. But the few times I looked at it, I feel like I saw some, criticism of the pass rush that they're doing absolutely nothing and I think relative to the expectations going into this game against this offensive line it was definitely disappointing I think they could have done a lot more damage than they did they'd one sack eight quarterback hits on 35 pass attempts for Darnold which is which is decent it's pretty good but in terms of getting eight quarterback hits especially when they're getting the ball out fairly quickly um, but I expected a lot more against this defensive line um, but I, I do think it necessarily wasn't a huge problem. I think I saw a lot of good rushes that didn't necessarily get capitalized on because they were jumping the ball off quick. To Darnold's credit, there were he did sense the pressure pretty well. Uh, there were a lot of plays where he was getting the ball out just before the pressure came in. Um, and a big part of the reason he was able to do that was because, for whatever reason, Christian McCaffrey was just wide open on checkdowns the whole game. So it was easy for him to find McCaffrey and. You know, he didn't, Darnold wasn't forced to make tough throws under pressure. He just had to dump the ball off, which again, to his credit, he did. And if he did that with the Jets more consistently, he would have been a better quarterback. Um, So he does deserve credit for that. Um, But I think the pass rush was not as good as it should have or could have been against this offensive line, but okay. I don't, I don't think it was bad. Um, I'm, I'm interested to watch it back more though and see what the pressure numbers are and everything. But um, Franco Myers had two quarterback hits. One of those was a really good sack. Bryce Huff had two quarterback hits. He single-handedly uh, created a defensive stop with a pair of really good hits. Uh, Quinnen Williams had two as well. I, and again, Quinnen is the main source of the criticism here against Pat Elfline. He, he should have been a lot more dominant than he was. Um, but two quarterback hits is still pretty good. I believe he had three pressures. Um, at least based on the early tracking or the early numbers put out by PFF, which is okay, but he could have done a lot better. So, but in terms of, of the defense overall, uh, it's just such a hard 
uh, performance to evaluate because again, like we talked about, I talked about the misses with Darnold. If Darnold hits those two touchdown passes, you know, maybe the Panthers put up 30 points and we don't look at this performance as fondly, but it really was a tale of two halves because both of those misses were in the first half. Um, but then in the second half, they really clamped down. And I think one, one of the things that really stood out to me was the tackling. Uh, I think that's something that we thought was going to be a problem. Uh, maybe the biggest outside of the coverage at cornerback, but there were a lot of guys making great open field tackles in big spots to, you know, force fourth downs or bring up third downs. Um, the young corners had a few good hits, Gidry, Marcus May, um, Mosley's making some good tackles. Um, just the tackling overall was pretty good. Mostly the problem was that, again, McCaffrey just, for whatever reason, they would not prevent, they could not prevent him from getting open checkdowns. Um, the big play to Robbie is obviously a chunk of the offense. Um, just those chunk gains, but they did tackle well to prevent those chunk gains from becoming home runs. So I think that's a promising thing that could be sustainable going forward. Um, so I like the tackling. And then in terms of the secondary, um, it's, a, it's another thing I'll have to watch more of, but I feel like Bryce Hall and Michael Carter II were not beaten too often. I think it was mostly Agreed. red wine gave up a couple of big plays. Um, I think it was Eccles who got beat on that back shoulder play by DJ Moore. I could be wrong about that. Um, but I feel like Hall and Carter the second played pretty good. Um, but overall, this was a very mixed bag. There were some good things. There were some bad things. Um, but I don't think it was terrible or, or great in either in either way. I think the tackling to me was really impressive, especially Christian McCaffrey in open field. And I think the team looked a lot faster. You just saw the inexperience at linebacker. Absolutely. I mean, and the, the lack of an elite edge rusher, Carl Lawson would have changed this entire defense. And you can definitely see that. I think the defensive line is good. I think they had a good day after you know, all things, all four quarters, they made up for it in the second half. If they had a Carl Lawson or any sort of elite pass rusher, I think they could have had a great day. The linebackers, yeah, just looked young and inexperienced and easily fooled, but they looked fast. And CJ Mosley in particular looked really good. Um, and then the DBs, I, I agree. I was relatively impressed with, you know, with um, just considering my expectations are so low, I guess, grading them on a curve a little bit. Um, obviously some easy completions in there. They have to figure out cornerback two and what they'll do at safety. If, if Joyner is going to be out for a while and if Davis can't come back for a while, but overall it was, it was a scrappy performance is how I would describe it. And, a, a performance where you could win off of, you know? I mean, like, look, the Panthers, if this was uh, – it was a tie game or whatever, the Panthers were driving it at the end. They did get that big Chris McCaffrey run. But 19 points at the end of the day is 19 points, and I think you have to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, uh, and, they, and uh, their wide receivers only put up 163 yards. And, they, and I, they're I not going to – that's something I would gladly take. And they're not going to face many other teams with that good of weapons. I mean, the Titans week four, obviously, but – you know, next week against New England, who the frick does New England? I mean, I guess they have Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry at tight end, but, you know, another rookie quarterback, a well-coached team, but they don't have nearly the same weapons. Um, Denver, I guess, has some good weapons as well, but the, 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 especially Christian McCaffrey and the trio of receivers that Carolina has built around Sam Darnold is pretty lethal, and it's a tough stop for any defense. And with Joe Brady calling plays as well. So, obviously, they're going to face teams with – off a lot of offensive firepower again, but I thought that this is among the most 
I don't want to say explosive, but maybe most stacked offensive personnel that they're going to face. The offensive line for them, I will say, held up a lot better than I thought they would because, like you said, Quinnen was very quiet. You can blame that on him being injured all offseason and it being 200 degrees, but you would have liked to see him be pat offline a little bit more. All right, Michael, should we talk about it? Should we talk about the worst part of this game? We've, we've delayed for, I don't know, it's been like 45 minutes or something. Um, do you want to talk about it now? Let's do it. The offensive line is absolutely terrible, and they're going to get Zach Wilson killed. So that's how I feel about that. I feel like I'm pretty content with this game because I think the thing is, is my expectations are maybe not as high as others, so I'm not like really that let down. Like As far as opening day losses go, I think I've taken this one the best out of any of that I can remember. I was like, I walked away like, okay, Zach played well. There's some defensive scrappy. Corey Davis looks legit. There were some good things to walk away from. The offensive line has me freaking terrified, and – We'll see about Mekhi Becton. When it first happened, it looked like it could have been an ACL injury. The initial reports is that it's an MCL sprain. We'll see this recording Sunday night, so we don't know yet. But um, if they don't lose him for the whole season, that's huge. That would be a great break for the Jets to catch. But regardless, even when he was in there, offensive line looked terrible. And, like, look, Vera Tucker didn't have a, a whole training camp or a whole preseason to kind of get in the swing of things. But I think, you know, you don't want to continue to give Joe Douglas. I think Joe Douglas has done a great job overall. You're going to have your misses. But – Connor McGovern's bad. I mean, that wasn't a good signing. I mean, like I get the market was thin, but, and, and I get that he, the player he was in Denver was a lot better. So it's, it's not like he signed a bad player and he's just been a bad player. It seems like McGovern has certainly regressed, but maybe you can say that, you know, his, his 2019 year was maybe an outlier in his career because he's been awful. Greg Van Roten's awful and they didn't replace him. I guess they both, they talked themselves that those were both scheme fits. And again, there's 16 more games to go. A lot can change, but that was brutal. And then, and this was a theme across the board, but playing George Fan over Morgan Moses is a crime because I think both of them are going to struggle in pass protection, but at least, you know, Moses is going to give you something in the run game. I get that Fan might be more athletic and maybe they thought he'd be a better scheme fit, but that was awful. I mean, it looks, I think Fan actually to me seems maybe slightly more comfortable at left tackle. He's even said that himself. Um, so hopefully he's not as bad next week, but this offensive line is going to get Zach Wilson killed. I mean, all I care about now is Zach Wilson developing, but at the same time, please don't have a Joe Burrow where it's like, especially early in the season where it's, well, I guess it's, it's bad late in the season because then you're worried about him coming back the second year, but bad early in the season because you don't get to see him. But if they play like this next week, he's going to die. Like they're going to get him injured. I mean, I'm surprised that he didn't enter the concussion protocol after that, that hit by Derek Brown. Um, so the offensive line is bad and they couldn't open a single running lane up too. it wasn't just pass protection, even with Becton and Vera Tucker in there. And it was so strange that they wouldn't run left. I mean, I, I guess it was maybe a, a matchup thing kind of going to what we were, what I was saying, where it's like, instead of playing to your strengths, you're trying to attack your opponent's weaknesses, which works great when you're San Francisco and you're Kyle Shannon and you have all these weapons in, in San Francisco, but the jets, it's like, all right, we got Becton, we got Vera Tucker let's run left, you know, like that is the strength of our team. And I think maybe they saw something where they wanted to run it right. And then build some play action passes to the left off of it or something. Obviously there was some sort of thinking there, but run left, especially when Becton and Vera Tucker in there, but the jets will not win a single game where they don't run over a hundred yards total. I mean, maybe I could lower that maybe to 80, but what do they have 40 something today? It's like this team is not built for Zach Wilson to throw it 37 times you know, 30 of them being out of the shotgun. I mean, this is, this team is supposed to be ground and pound, big chunk plays, keep out a third and long. They were in third and long all day, you know, keep a third manageable, run the play actions off of it. And then you take your deep shots. And then as the game goes on and the season goes on, you can give, you can put more on Zach Wilson's plate, but 
you have to protect him. And it's not just in pass protection. You have to give him a running game because it was, they were predictable. So uh, the offensive line is a, a major, major concern to me. Yeah, this is definitely a, probably the biggest problem going forward, especially with Mekhi Becton likely to miss at least a lot of time. I mean, the the fact that it's an MCL sprain is, is good news. Uh, hopefully you could get him back at some point, but it looks like it's probably going to be a significant amount of time. So that's a huge loss. The best player on this unit, which was the worst unit on the team in this game, um, is obviously a big concern. Um, I'm not going to overreact to the struggles too much because I do like the pieces on this unit. I do think McGovern is a talented player who can do better than he's been doing. Vera Tucker is, and I'm, I'm going to take some credit. I did last week say that he was my pick for to me. be, to be the most disappointing player in this game. And I think he gave up six pressures. He struggled. So um, I wouldn't but, say he was the most disappointing. Um, I mean, I if, if we're going to single out the offensive line as the worst unit and he was maybe the worst player on it, then I think he kind of qualifies, but he still, he's a talent to be a good rookie, even in spite of this performance. He has the, you know, the tools. He, he, he's a high floor prospect, a guy who has the fundamentals and the technique and the tools to come in and be good right away. So I think he could still do that, obviously, in spite of just one game, which was his, he didn't play at all in the preseason. And the same goes for Elijah Moore, who had a rough start to his career. Um, so I still have some confidence in the O-line, but it's, it's obviously got to be a lot better. That goes without saying. Um, and in terms of the tackles, I agree. I was surprised with the, fan, with the decision to go with Fant over Moses at, at right tackle. Um, and as soon as Moses came in, and he did have one penalty – that took away um, the Elijah Moore, uh, a deep play to him um, in a legal formation where he lined up too far off the line of scrimmage. Um, but I did notice him make some good run blocks right away when he came in. And his protection, if I remember correctly, did look pretty good once he came in at right tackle. And then Fan at left tackle, like you said, I think is probably more comfortable there. So um, I think the Fan left tackle, Moses right tackle duo can be Okay, I, I still have some confidence in this offensive line. I think, as with anything it, in one game, you can't just assume that everything that happens is an indication of what's going to continue to happen, and both of the good things and the bad things, because it's just one game, and you don't really know what's going to happen. Like, look at the Bills game last year when they opened the season. Marcus May at strong safety was the best thing since sliced bread. Five weeks later, he moves back to his old position, um, after really struggling at strong safety the next few weeks. So both good and bad things, um, you know, in the season opener, you can't overreact to the, uh, too much. So I think with the offensive line, I had confidence in this unit to be an, an average group. Losing Becton hurts that significantly, but I think they could still be not terrible, or not at least not as bad as they were in this game. But the run game is really, I, I mean, pass protection is obviously the first priority, but the run game is a big issue too. The fact that they only average 2.6 yards per carry with a long of 12 is, is not going to get it done. This offense is really going to rely on that run game. Um, and LaFleur was, I think that's a big part of why they struggled in the first half is LaFleur was really relying on that. He wanted to get them into um, favorable second and third downs and ground and pound on early downs. And, you know, we, we criticize them. I think a lot of people did for being stubborn with it, but that's just the kind of football they want to play. So for one half of the game, you got to 
try to establish it. It just wasn't being executed. And then they just in the second half and did better. So credit to the floor, but um, you know, 14 points still isn't getting it done. If this offense is going to be what it wants to be for four quarters, the run game has average more than 2.6 yards per carry. So the run blocking has to be better. I'm looking forward to watching it back a little bit more and seeing who the culprits were in the holes not being there. Um, but it's got to be better. And, and I think we can criticize the running backs a little bit too. The holes, it was mostly the run blocking, but there were some plays where I just didn't see a lot of juice or elusiveness from all three running backs. I think Coleman probably was the best rusher in this game. Johnson outdid him in terms of yards per carry. Uh, Coleman only averaged 2.7, but he had, had clearly the two best runs, I think. He had a couple of good cutbacks um, on successful drives. So, but that's not getting it done. So a little bit for the running backs, they didn't have too much juice to their game, didn't break many tackles or have too much power finishing runs, but it's mostly, mostly the offensive line's got to be better opening up holes. What do you think about the whole playing fan over Moses? And it wasn't just in the offensive line, Ryan Griffin over Tyler Croft, Tevin Coleman over or Ty Johnson, Jeff Smith over Denzel Mims. What do you kind of think of the interesting I, I mean, I guess it's like the coaches are in it, uh, see practice every single day, and maybe it's for game planning reasons, but it just seems like there were some peculiar decisions made on the uh, depth chart. Yeah, I, I think that's one of my crit- biggest criticisms with LaFleur in this game, because this is an offense that is heavy on, I think, schemed up touches, you know, just kind of not necessarily predetermining, but they run a good amount of screens. They run end arounds, pop pass, shovel passes. Um, you know, they have, they run a lot of two wide receiver sets where the concept is mostly focused on those two guys. It's an offense where they do kind of, uh, have a lot of control over who's getting the ball. And so the fact that Elijah Moore only gets four targets, Ryan Griffin gets six, Tyler Croft gets five. You know, I think that it could be distributed better than was this game. Braxton Berrios gets seven. Um, I think you can, you know, make better use of your talent than that. And a lot of it is the pass protection because if you're not going to hold up long enough to attack downfield, the quarterback's going to check it down to the tight ends. He's going to check it down to the slot receiver. Um, so some of it's a product of that. But um, there was one play, um, a third down play in the third quarter, I believe, where they threw a bubble screen to Barrios in, instead of Elijah Moore. That's a situation where I think you just got to get the better player of the football. And maybe that'll be Jameson Crowder in that situation going forward, who is a much better weapon with the ball in his hands than Barrios. Um, but I think LaFleur can do a better job of uh, distributing the targets and the touches around. Um, so we'll see how he does with that going forward. But um, I th- I guess with Fant over Moses, they just kind of went with the, the scheme fit aspect of it in terms of Fant being a better athlete. But I think even though Moses isn't necessarily, you know, the same crazy good athlete that Fant is in terms of being former basketball player, playing, you know, some tight end in Seattle, even though he doesn't have that, I think his power and his down blocking can still be uh, useful in this offense. We saw it. I, we did see a couple instances of it when he got in the game. So I think, you know, Moses just, I think the better overall player significantly than fan, even if fan definitely is a better scheme fit. I was excited to see him in the scheme, but if going forward, he's going to play as it seemed like he did in this game, then, you know, Moses would be the better option, but it looks like they're both going to be playing anyway, 
with Becton out. So um, I, I think mainly my thing with the personnel is that they can do a better job scheming up touches for Elijah Moore. Um, and then also just, I think, uh, not you don't want to force feed Corey Davis the ball, but I did think, uh, you know, if they were going to throw 37 passes in this game, that Davis would get more than seven targets, which is still a good amount, but it, it was the same amount as Barrios. So I think, I just think that the touches can be distributed a little bit better. I, I, I think there's one more subject that we definitely need to cover here. Michael and I think it was probably my favorite storyline of the entire game. Can we just give a hands for for Matt Amendola of course. his NFL debut? Had the weirdest NFL debut for a kicker. Didn't kick once, but was a beast punting the. Fo- I mean, like I, I, that sixty-five yarder he hit. I was ready to cut Braden Man right there. So, what, what were your <laughs> thoughts on Matt Amendola's? I, it would be interesting to me. I get why teams don't do this, but if you could have just one special teamer, just a kicker and punter, and then you have your backup quarterback hold. But I guess I know why teams do that. Don't do that because, you know, they want guys to focus on exactly what they're doing. And, you know, if, if in the exact instance that just happened, if your punter goes down, your kicker can always kind of sub in for him. Um, but what were your thoughts on Matt Amendola's debut? I swear, if he got that onside kick, I was ready to put him in Canton. Yeah, that was a really admirable performance by him. And it, it's just funny because he wasn't – it's not like, oh, he made one great punt or he made two great punts or – he looked like a good NFL punter. Like he was one of the best punters of the week. Six punts, 48 and a half average. And they were limiting the returns too. They had good hang time. He's putting them against the sideline. The 65 yarder is, I mean, it, it barely gets better than that. It wasn't even lucky. He destroyed it. He put it against the sideline and went straight out of bounds. So he was really good. Um, and I think it will be interesting to, see if Brayden Mann misses any games, will they, is this enough for them to feel comfortable to have him fill both, both roles to save a roster spot? Um, if it's, if it's a short amount of time, one or two games, I could see them maybe doing it. If it's long-term, which doesn't seem like, cause he was questionable to return to the game. Uh, then I think they should probably just add a real punter, but uh, what a performance that was really impressive by him. Uh, to be able to come in and not just hold it down, but be really good. Uh, that was insane to watch. All right. I think in summary, good for the Jets, Zach Wilson, Matt Amendola, Corey Davis. I think you could throw JFM in there as well. I thought he looked like the Jets' yeah. best defensive lineman. I think uh, MC squared, you could put him in there. Yeah. And then maybe Bryce Hall. I think you get Bryce Hall at least. Uh, you know, I'll keep him out of the good. He was, he was all right. Those were the guys who I felt like had, had good games that I'm very excited about. CJ Mosley as well. My bad. I thought Mosley had a good game as well. Bad. Pretty much everything else. I mean, the offensive line, the entire thing. I thought Elijah Moore, you know, I, I'm not really worried about Elijah Moore. Um, he was open on one third down. He cooked it. His route running looked great. He doesn't normally struggle with drops. I'm bummed that he dropped that 70 yarder. Um, he had the one big play that got called back, but you know, obviously one catch for negative three yards isn't great. Um, it was an end around though. I'd love to see them get him more involved though. You talk about force feeding Corey Davis, the ball. I'd love to see them manufacture touches to Elijah Moore, whether it's just on quick passes, RPOs, wide receiver screens, jet sweeps, you know, just get him the ball because he's just such a playmaker. I thought you could, you, I think you could throw Michael floor in the bad column just for, I, I didn't love the whole game plan today. I think it got better. And so the adjustments keeps him from being a complete, you know, me just crapping all over him. But I, I think that the game plan could have been a lot better. 
Red wine, definitely bad. And then I saw Hamza miss a few, just kind of get duped a few times, but it's to be expected. Yeah, I think he was the primary uh, guy who was struggling at that second level. Uh, but, but yeah, I Last agree. I, I think I agree with mostly with what you said. I think the main positives they could actually, you know, feel really good about would be Zach Wilson, Matt Amendola, which I'm just give him credit and feel good about it. It was fun. Um, but in addition to that, Corey Davis, definitely. I think John Franklin Myers, I would be excited about the flashes that Bryce Huff showed. I think he did show a little bit to be excited about. Um, I think those would be the main thing. And then in the secondary hall and Carter the second, pending me watching it back again because it was just one watch. But I think those are the main things. And then the main issues are offensive line. Um, then offensively, uh, I, I think getting back the uh, – which we'll probably talk about as we look forward to next week. But I think it is important to get Crowder and Keelan Cole back healthy, um, which Crowder will be back soon enough. But um, the run game – is another big issue that's got to be better. Um, so those are the big things. Offensive line, both phases, run game, um, and then defensively. Uh, I think I don't think the pass rush was an issue in this game, but it's got to be more dominant if the Jets are going to compensate for the other problems that they have. Well, you kind of gave me a good segue as we wrap things up here, Michael. What do the Jets – and we're going to have a preview podcast. I promise it will come out on Thursday this time. What do the Jets need to change before next week? The home opener, I, you know, it's not as hyped as it would be if the Jets had won, but I still think that the energy, because of the second half comeback, thank God for that, I think the energy will still be there. Home opener against the Pats, rookie on rookie matchup. The, the Pats are 0 1, so it's, it's a battle for second place in the division. Uh, Dolphins are the only one that, that won. Um, briefly because obviously we're going to dive into this on Thursday, but what are some of the things that you'd like to see the jets change before Sunday? Yeah, I think just what I talked about. And like you said, let's get Elijah Moore some more design touches. I know that the one that he had wasn't great. He lost three yards. That wasn't really his fault though. There wasn't good blocking. Let's get him some more design touches, give him some more screens, jet sweeps, Um, establish that threat because I feel like that's another thing that was kind of a departure from the preseason. There was a good amount of pre-snap motion, but not a very creative usage of pre-snap motion. They would move the running back, you know, in and out of the backfield. They would move the tight ends around a little bit, but they didn't really establish that jet motion game and get receivers moving back and forth across the formation too much. And I feel like establishing that threat can really help them open things up a little bit. So let's use Elijah Moore in that role some more. Um, defensively, I think that it was interesting how they played in this game because they tried to go with the four-man rush sometimes, but even dropping guys, a lot of guys back in coverage, they would still find the check down. Um, so maybe a healthier mix of form. If the pass rush isn't going to be more dominant than it was in this game, and it was okay, I think, then I think helping them out with some blitzes, especially against young quarterbacks like a Mac Jones next week, uh, could be a good idea just to increase the blitz rate a little bit more. Um, so those will probably be a couple of the main changes I'd like to see. All right, Michael, I think it's time for us to get out of here. Uh, reminder, you can follow us at CWJ Pod on Twitter, Michael at Michael underscore Nania, myself at Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com for the best place to go for Jets content. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. I don't think I've missed anything. Michael, last word. Uh, Matt Amendola, Special Teams Player of the Week. 
especially M- team MVP. You could just engrave his name in the team facility already. That that performance is legendary to me. I don't care what he does the rest of the season. They, they worked out Sergio Castillo this week too. What the hell was that about? Yeah, it, this performance actually reminded me of the the Ryan Quigley game where he did the opposite. Oh, that's true. And he kicked extra points and was perfect. Which one was more impressive in your eyes? I think this is more impressive. I agree. I agree. Especially the bomb. Like he had legitimately a great punt. Like where yeah. would that 65 yarder ranked on Braden Mann's punts last year? I, I don't think he's had a 60 yarder. Yeah. <laughs> he had a better punt. Year, I think yeah. 58 was his best. So, but man, to, to his credit, the yeah. only punt he had in this game was a uh, 56 yarder. So that was good. Right. And well, he had the one that got called back. That was also a good one. I thought that right. the, I will give the Gunners a lot of credit. I thought this, the coverage team on those punts was very good. Was good. Thomas Hennessy had a hard hit. I saw that front of the podcast. I was going to tweet it, but again, it's just so hot. Like it's, it takes a lot of effort to pull out my phone, and type some letters. You also had, um, I thought Justin Hardy had a really great game too. That in that Gunner role, you can see why he's a team captain and why they they paid him some money. Yeah. All right, I think it's time for us to get out of here. Um, last word, I guess, would be hold your overreactions. Be patient with this team. Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the team, the young team developing, and and obviously you have to like what you saw from Zach Wilson. Let's just hope it continues. So we'll be back on Thursday previewing Sunday's matchup, and go Jets.